0: Amen. Let's take our Bibles tonight. We'll turn to the book of First Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter number 15. And I uh, appreciate the opportunity to preach tonight. And uh, to say I'm a little bit nervous would be an understatement, but uh, I am always look forward to the opportunity to be able to preach the Word of God and uh, look forward to what the Lord has for us from His Word tonight. First Chronicles chapter number 15, if you uh, know much about this portion of the Scripture, in chapter 13 and then chapter 15, we find that David is now the king of Israel and he has a desire in his heart to bring the ark of God uh, closer to the people. In fact, in uh, chapter 13, and verse number 3, uh, the, the Bible says here, David speaking, he says, and let us bring again the ark of our God un, uh, to us, for we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. And uh, so David has a good, good desire in his heart. He wants to bring the ark of God uh, to him. And we find in chapter number 15, Is going to be our text. The Bible says in verse number 11, And David called for Zadok and Abathar, the priest, and for the Levites, Ural and Isaiah, and Joel and Shimei and uh, Eliel and uh, Amenadab, and said unto them, Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. For because ye did it not at the first, the Lord... Our God made a breach upon us for that we sought him not after the due order. Uh, Verse number 13 is going to be our text tonight. And David said in the latter part of that verse that God had made a breach upon them. He said, For that we sought him not after the due order. Uh, God is a God of order. I get made fun of from time to time because I like things to be in order. Uh, some people call it being OCD, and uh, I don't believe that it is a disorder at all. Uh, it's not obsessive-compulsive disorder. It is ATD. It's attention to detail, amen? God is a God of detail. God is a God of order, and, uh, and he has a way that things are supposed to be done. Uh, he gives instruction in his word of how things are supposed to be and how we as his people are to worship him, uh, how we are as his people are to serve him, And we find here in this passage of Scripture that when David had that desire in his heart in verse number 13, his motives were pure. He wanted the ark of God to be in a place that was uh, central to his people. He wanted to inquire after the Lord. He wanted to seek the Lord as a nation. Uh, His desire was honorable. However, he failed to follow God's instructions in the way in which he was to transport the ark of God. In fact, if you study the word of God, you find out that he did not do it God's way. He actually did it the heathen's way. He followed after the way that the Philistines had transported the ark, and he put it on a cart. And if you know the story, the Bible says that the oxen shook the ark, and uh, and uh, Uzzah put forth his hand to steady it, and God killed Uzzah because he had touched the ark of God, and he had disobeyed the Lord. And that was the breach that David was speaking about in our text verse. And uh, so as... When they followed not God's instruction, death was the result. Now in chapter 15, we have the same motive. We have the same desire. But this time, David said, we're going to do it God's way. If you read the chapter, they brought the ark of God uh, to them, and there was rejoicing, and God was glorified in what took place because they did it his way. And tonight as we look at Scripture, I'm going to give us four areas that I believe it's very important for us as people to do things God's way. Now, there are certainly many more than just four that we could mention tonight. Uh, but for sake of time, we're going to look at just four tonight. And I, I'm going to give us some things that I believe the Bible tells us has to be in due order if God is get the, get, going to get the glory. I believe tonight uh, that everyone here desires in their heart to give God glory with their life, to honor God with their life. Else you would not be here this evening. Uh, but uh, tonight, we're going to look at these four things and ask the Holy Spirit of God to speak to our hearts as we do so. Dear Lord, I pray that you bless tonight your word. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you'd help me to say that which you'd have me to say. Lord, if there's something that are in my, is in my notes that I should leave out, Lord, I pray that you'd let me leave those out. Uh, that what is said tonight would be exactly what you'd have. Uh, that your work would be accomplished in each heart and each life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we begin tonight, I'll point to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, verse number 40. The Bible says, let all things be done decently and in order. Now, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, God is speaking of there and giving instruction in dealing with tongues and the way things are supposed to work in the church. And God says here, though, that all things are to be done decently and in order. Uh, Tonight, the first thing I want to point out tonight is that God has a due order when it comes to salvation. There is only one way that we as humans can receive salvation, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. There are many people that say there are many different ways of salvation. I've heard it said all my life that there are some people that say, well, getting to heaven is like getting to, to grandma's house. Some can go by a car, and some can go by train, and uh, some can go, go by airplane. But we're all going to grandma's house. Uh, well, that's not the tr- that's not the case. There is one way that we receive salvation. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine: "For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast." The Bible tells us plainly in that verse of Scripture that we are saved by grace through faith. In John chapter number 14, verse number 6, Jesus was preaching and he said, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I like to point out that the word of God is perfect. There is not one word that is out of place in the word of God. Jesus did not say, I am a way, a truth. He said, I am the way the truth, the life. Uh, you see, we must come to, to God through Jesus Christ. There is no salvation in any other, the Bible says. There is no other name under heaven given among men uh, whereby we must be saved other than Jesus Christ. We, if we are going to come to God, we must come God's way. We must believe that Jesus is God. The Bible tells us, in the book of 1 John, chapter 5, verse number 13, These things have I written unto you, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. The Bible says that we can know that we have eternal life if we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You see, we can't believe that, there, that Jesus is just a, uh, was just a good man or Jesus was just a good uh, teacher and be saved. I said we can't believe that he was just that. Je- Jesus was certainly the best preacher that ever walked the face of the earth. Uh, but we can't believe that he was just a good teacher. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We must believe that. We must, therefore, we must believe in the virgin birth. We must believe uh, that Jesus lived a sinless life. That we, we must believe that Jesus died in our place, paid our sin debt for us, and rose again the third day, by the way. Because without any of those things, it takes away the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must believe that Jesus is God. There's something else we must believe. If we don't believe that Jesus is God, we have no hope. That's the first thing. It has to be in order. We must believe that Jesus is God. The second thing we must believe, we must understand, we must have faith in, if you will, is that I'm a sinner. You know, there are many people that, that they, will, they have a hard time admitting that they're a sinner. Uh, I met a man, uh, a, well, a year or so ago, I guess it was now, and, uh, and I was witnessing to him, and he would not admit that he was a sinner. I said, well, have you ever told a lie? Well, yeah, but, said, well, that's a sin, isn't it? Well, yeah, but I'm not a sinner. And I said, well, how many people do you have to murder to be a murderer? One. Well, how many sins do you have to commit to be a sinner? One. You see, we must admit that we're a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We must, we must believe that. We have to come God's way. Because if we can't not see ourselves as a sinner, we have no hope. We don't need help. If I'm not a sinner, I don't need God's help. If I'm perfect, then I'm okay on my own. Uh, in our society today, we all, well, as a society, we laugh at sin. We make fun of sin. And there, because of that, sin's not that big of a deal. We, we, if we're going to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're going to be, be saved, we must realize our sin and realize that our sin offends God. Right. Our sin sets us at odds with God, and our sin carries with it a penalty. See, that's the third thing. We must understand that hell is the penalty for my sin. Now, we don't like to hear that. Nobody wants to die and go to hell. Nobody wants to hear that because I'm a sinner, I deserve to die and go to hell. But that's the truth. And we must accept that. We have to come in God's way. But we also must believe that God provided the payment through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by faith. God is offered by grace salvation. Grace is God giving us that which we do not deserve. Many people have said it's God's riches at Christ's expense. It's God giving us that which we do not deserve. He's offered it to us. Grace has been provided for all of mankind. But the Bible says we are saved. For by grace are you saved. But it has to have the vehicle of faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. We must come to the Lord Jesus Christ and realize Jesus is God. I am a sinner. My sin carries with it the penalty of hell. I cannot help myself. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross for my sin, rose again the third day, took his blood back to heaven, and paid for my <laughs> sin in heaven with his own blood, and I by faith trust him and him alone to take me to heaven, and I can receive salvation. It has to be done in God's order. If we get those things uh, uh, misplaced, or if we leave one of those things out, and they're, it's not in its proper place, then according to the Word of God, we do not have salvation. Now, that's not my opinion. If I don't believe that I'm a sinner, then I cannot be saved. If I don't believe that Jesus is God, I cannot be saved. If I don't believe I deserve deserve to die and go to hell, I cannot be saved. If I don't believe that Jesus died on the cross, rose again the third day, and paid for my sins, I cannot be saved. And if I don't come to him by faith, I cannot be saved. It has to be done God's way. Works will not suffice. There is nothing good that I can do to merit eternal life in heaven. It doesn't matter how good a person you are, and I've met some pretty good people in my life that if I were the judge, man, they're they're pretty good people. But it doesn't matter how good I am. I can never live up to be what God is. We fall short of the glory of God, the Bible tells us. Works will not suffice. And by the way, you can't keep yourself saved either. Well, I, I was saved by grace through faith, but I keep it by being a good, a good Christian. No, I don't keep myself saved. In fact, the Bible tells us that it's the Holy Spirit that seals us until the day of redemption in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse number 30. It's the Holy Spirit of God. God does the saving, and God does the keeping. I'm glad to know tonight that we can have salvation, but it has to be done in due order according to the word of God. Uh, The second thing I want to point out tonight is that there's a due order when it comes to worship. There's a lot that's been said in society today about worship. But I think that if I want to find out how I'm supposed to worship, I should probably listen to the greatest preacher that ever walked the face of the earth. And Jesus had something to say about worship. The Bible says in John chapter number 4, in verse number 22, down through verse number 24, Jesus here is speaking to the woman at the well. The woman of Samaria. And uh, she's put out her uh, religious front, and Jesus is counteracting uh, her argument here. And the Bible says, You worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. For God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. There is a due order when it comes to worshiping God. It has to be done in spirit, and it has to be in truth. Now, what is truth? Well, Jesus defined truth for us. As Jesus was praying for his disciples, and in the same chapter he was praying for us today, he said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. If we're going to worship God, it has to be in accordance to the word of God. The word of God has to be uh, paramount in our worship. It has to be front, uh, front and center in our worship. And it has to be done in spirit. I believe, according to scripture, that true worship comes when the spirit of man is convicted and agrees with the Holy Spirit of God and thereby views both the Almighty God and Himself through the truth of Scripture. And when we, see our, when we see God through the lens of Scripture, there is something that automatically takes place. It happened to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter number 6, verses 1 through 5. The Bible says in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings and with twain he covered his face and with twain he covered his feet and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, his view of himself was that of humility. He said, Woe is me. What worship, what worship is not what a lot of people think worship is. Worship takes place when we get into the Word of God. It happens when the Word of God is preached. Uh, If you allow the Holy Spirit of God as you're listening to uh, the preacher preach and the Holy Spirit of God starts convicting you and starts uh, pointing truths of scriptures to you, uh, you start seeing God for who he is and automatically you start seeing yourself for who you are. And there's a humility that takes place and God is lifted up in our view and we begin to see God for who he is through the lens of scripture. Thereby the Holy Spirit of God getting a hold of our spirit through the truth of the word of God. And we begin to magnify the name of the Lord in our hearts and thereby in our lives. In the way in which we live. You see, uh, there's a due order in worship. Worship is not uh, what, what uh, all this, uh, this new age stuff is that's done up on the platform and, and they begin doing all that stuff. That's not worship. Worship is when we see God for who he is. Well, you spend time in the Word of God. You spend time meditating, meditating upon the things of God. And you start, you start realizing how holy God is and how righteous God is and how sinful I am and how undone I am. And we begin to conform into His image as we humble ourselves before Him. There's a due order in worship. I'll say number three. There's a, new, there's a due order when it comes to service. The Bible says in Acts chapter number 1, and verse number 8, a very familiar verse of Scripture, the Bible says, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You see, God gives us an order here in Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 8 that we are supposed to serve him in. God, of course, when Jesus was ascending back uh, to heaven, the last command that he gave was to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. But he told us, he gave a promise to the disciples and to the church. He said, the Holy Spirit of God is going to come. He said, "Tarry here till you be endued with power. He said, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I just want to say tonight that our soul winning efforts, our witnessing efforts, are futile. Without first being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. My words do not accomplish anything without the Holy Spirit of God's power. Uh, Before we go soul winning, we we ought to humble ourselves before God. We ought to yield ourselves to the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit of God to fill us. I pray before I go so winning that the Lord would fill me, but the Lord would go ahead and get a hold of the people's hearts that I'll speak to ahead of time and to begin to work on them because without the Holy Spirit's conviction, we're, we're useless. We've got to have the Holy Spirit's power. And that's what he was telling the whole the, the disciples here in the early church here and, and us today. Well, you shall receive power after that the Holy, come, Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. He said to them, go, into y'all, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Mark chapter number 16, verse number 15. We are to go. So in our service for the Lord, the first thing that we need is we need the Holy Spirit's filling. You know, anything that I do, I need the Holy Spirit of God for. I cannot be the husband that I should be without the Holy Spirit's power. I can't be the father that I need to be without the Holy Spirit's power. I can't be the employee that I need to be without the Holy Spirit's power. I've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, people are often, they often question, well, what is Holy Spirit fullness? What is being filled with the Holy Spirit of God? And uh, the best illustration i've ever heard or the best example that i could ever i've ever heard about that is this If you have a cup here and it's half full of dirt and you begin to put water in it you can fill it all the way up to the top is that cup full of water no it still has dirt in it there's still dirt in the bottom of it but if you allow that water to continue to pour into that cup i've done this before you just run water in it, and you just put it under a faucet, sit it there. You know what happens? That dirt begins to wash out of the cup. And the less dirt is in the cup, I know I'm just a dumb hick, but the less dirt that's in the cup means there's more water in the cup. As a a Christian, what I need to do is I need to empty myself of myself. It takes humility. It's a humbling before God. It's emptying myself of those desires that I have, my, my plans, my dreams. Those things I can set aside and say, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to be what you want me to be. Lord, fill me today. Guide me. Uh, and we allow him to fill us. You see, if we don't get ourselves out of the way, God doesn't have control. We need to get ourselves out of the way. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and then we just have to simply go. If we're going to serve God, we need the Holy Spirit's ful- fullness. We've got to go, and then the Bible tells us also that we're to exhort one another in our service for the Lord. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter number ten, and verse number twenty-five, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. That word "exhort" means to encourage, to embolden, to cheer, to advise. Uh, the primary sense seems to, to seems to be to excite, or give strength, spirit, or courage. the The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter ten twenty five that we're supposed to be in the house of the Lord, and we exhort one another by doing so. Uh, we are to encourage one another in the service of the Lord. You know how we, you know, what I, I'm always encouraged when there's other people serving. When you show up on Saturday to go soul winning, and you're not the only one there, it's encouraging. Hey, I've been there when you're the only one there. But it's a lot more encouraging where there's more than one person there. Now, you're supposed to go whether you're the only one or not. But our job as a Christian is to exhort one another as well. And in the service of the Lord, you know what? We as Christians can encourage other Christians to do what's right by us just doing what's right. Just Continue to be in your place and do what God has given you to do, and you can you encourage others in the service of the Lord. But there's a due order. We are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We go, and thereby we exhort one another. And lastly, and I'll be done. Now don't get too excited. This is where I was trying to get. There's a due order when it get, comes to sanctification. There are many. There are many young christians that get uh they i'll just be honest with you they they stop coming to church say well i'm not what somebody else is and their growth is not as quick as they want it to be there are others that they just don't grow they just sit and they're the same week in and week out year in and year out but god's will for us is to be more like him this work this this sanctification project process. The word sanctification means to set aside for a particular use, for a particular purpose. Uh, God has a plan for each life that is in here tonight. There's not one person that God doesn't have a plan for. And we as God's people are to be sanctified for his use. In the book of Colossians chapter number three, is probably, I don't know, if, it, it's a very good chapter on sanctification if you read this entire chapter we'll not take time to read the entire chapter tonight but the bible gives us basically if you if you can look at this you can see of sanctification in colossians chapter number three you see sanctification is not simply a list of do's and don'ts but sanctification is a relationship with the lord jesus christ it's growing closer to him sanctification is not instant there's, my dad always used to say, there's not a such thing as an instant Christian pill. That would be great if there was, you know, you could just take a pill, you're an instant perfect Christian, but there's no such thing as that. Uh, you have to grow as a Christian. We grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, we It's a growth process. I want to say this, that sanctification, it's not natural. But it's a transformation. Uh It's amazing to me, the Christians and people that justify themselves because they say, well, it's just natural to do that. The thing that I'm doing, it's just natural to do that. Uh, Have we never heard of something called a sin nature? My nature is to sin. If I I follow that which is natural for me to do, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sin. But I'm not supposed to do what's natural for me to do. I'm to do what the Bible tells me to do. And the Bible here gives us a order in w- whereby we can be sanctified to the Lord and be a servant that is useful to him. It, it takes place by what we seek. Colossians chapter 3 verse number 1 tells us what we should be seeking. The Bible says if you have been re- be, be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. I wonder how much we think of heaven. I wonder how much we think of the things of God on a normal basis. Uh, it doesn't happen unless we do it on purpose. Uh, we need, we, what, where, are we, where do we seek? The, verse number 2, it talks about our love. What do we love? The Bible says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. The Bible tells us in verse 3 through 9, it tells us that if we're going to be sanctified, if we're going to be useful to God, then we have to die. The Bible here talks in, in verses 3 through 9 that about this process of, of dying to ourselves. The Bible says in verse number 5, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. We are to, that word mortify, it means to murder, to kill. We mortify, we mortify those members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, uh, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh unto the children of disobedience, in which also you walked sometimes when you lived in them. But now ye also put off all these. He says you need to set those things aside. You need to put them off. You need to be dead to those things. And then he tells us the next thing we've got to do is not just to die. If we're just dead, we're useless. He says, now we must put on the new man. Which is, in verses 10 through 15, he talks about mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, forbearance, forgiveness, love, peace, thankfulness. These are the things that we need to put on as we walk in the new man. In other words, we need to get in the word of God. And allow the word of God to transform us and not live in the old man, but walk in accordance to the word of God. Sounds real simple, doesn't it? Uh, But once again, I don't know about you. I just know me. I'll start off pretty good. But then what happens? My old flesh will rear its ugly head and I'll, I'll fall into that which is natural. What do I have to do? I have to mortify those members. And then I have to put on the new man. Uh, This list here that the Bible talks about uh, in regards to the new man, you know it counteracts every fleshly desire that we have. If we'll put on these things, it'll combat our old man. It'll keep our flesh down. So we must not only die to self, mortify our members, but we must put on the new man. We must, verse number 16, we must dwell in the word of God and allow the word of God to dwell in us. In verse number 16, the Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. The Bible here tells us that we are to allow the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. Now, how does the word of God, Christ dwell within us? We must be in the word of God if the word of God is going to be in us. I mean, uh, I, I was not the best student in school. I wish that they could have taken the top of my head off and pour it all in. You know how the teacher says they can't do that? They really can't. Well, the word of God is the same way. The word of God doesn't get in us Unless we get in the word of God. If the word of God is going to dwell in us richly. Then we've got to spend time in the word of God. Uh, If we dwell in the word of God and allow the word of God to dwell in us. The Bible says that there will be a new song in our heart. Uh, What we listen to. What we sing. It affects our walk with God. Uh, You better be careful as a Christian, the type of music you allow yourself to listen to, and you better, as a Christian, learn to surround yourself with those things that are good. If you spend time in the Word of God, I was, uh, the other day, uh, a song came on, uh, My Pandora. I don't know if you know, I'm sure you know what Pandora is. We're not in Alabama anymore. Uh, uh, But uh, as you listen to music, you can thumbs up or thumbs down, and it starts playing music that you like to listen to. Well, Every once in a while, they'll try to slip one in on you, and you got to thumbs down it. They try to slip one in, and the sound of it, I mean, just the introduction. It's like, that's not right. What happened? The Holy Spirit of God that dwells in me was not bearing witness to the tune of the introduction. I didn't even have to hear a word. It's just thumbs down. You you see, when you dwell in the Word of God, then there's a song in your heart that's going to honor and glorify the Lord. And you're going to be able to tell those things that are good and holy and righteous and those that aren't. You see, there'll be a new song in your heart. Uh, The Bible tells us as we uh, uh, follow God's order, we'll we start seeking that which is right. We begin loving what's right. We begin learning how to die to self. We begin learning how to put on the new man. We begin dwelling in the Word of God more and more. We begin singing those things that are right and and, uh, and glorifying God with our song. Then the Bible tells us that we can have a God honoring and biblical family. In verse number six, uh, excuse me, verse number seventeen through twenty, it begins talking about our family. And whatsoever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for it is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Now we can have a family that honors and glorifies the Lord as we Follow his order in sanctification. But you're not going to have a family that honors and glorifies the Lord if you're not first seeking those things that are holy, those things that are above. If you're not first loving the Lord and dwelling on the things of the Lord. If you're not dying to self. You can't be the husband or father you need to be if you're not dying to self. If you're not putting on the new man. If you're not dwelling in the word of God. The Bible talks about the employee and the employer relationship in verse number 22. And then in verse number 23, it covers every other Area of life when it says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that the Lord, uh, that of the Lord, ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. We find here that whatever it is that we're doing, we're to do, give it our Best as not just my best, but as I yield to the Holy Spirit of God, as I allow the Holy Spirit of God to uh, help me to conform to His image, and I begin to follow the Lord, and I begin to put on the new man, and I begin to honor God with my life, and He cleanses me, and sanctifies me, and sets me apart for His service. Now, everything that I do, whether it be vacuuming a floor whether it be building something, whether it be uh, if you're in a sales job, whatever it is that you're doing, you can do everything to the Lord. Do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. That means everything that I do, I want to glorify God with. I ought to do it to the best of my ability with the Holy Spirit of God's help. I can be the right kind of employee if I yield myself to the Holy Spirit of God. You see, all these things that God has given us, we can't be saved if it's not God's way. We cannot serve properly if we don't do it God's way. We cannot worship properly if we don't do it God's way. And we cannot be sanctified if we don't do it God's way. See, there, there may be Christians out there that they have a list of do's and don'ts. But they've never humbled themselves to God. They never, they're not dying to self. They're just trying to keep this list. That list might be a good list. But you're not going to accomplish what God wants to accomplish in your heart and your life by just trying to obey a list. You to try to obey the word of God. Do it God's way. And do it in due order. Because then, and only then, would God be glorified. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless tonight your word. I pray that something that was said tonight would be a help to someone. or you'd help us to draw closer to you as Christians. We thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name I pray.